0: Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Alex Hausen, and this is Right Medicine, a weekly podcast that explores best practices in creating content that connects with and educates health professionals. I'm a former nurse and an academic who spent the last 16 years as an independent medical writer and researcher, creating and evaluating education content for health professionals. If your work involves planning, designing, delivering, or evaluating education for health professionals, This podcast is for you. In this bonus episode of Write Medicine, I talk with Ben Riggs about writing voice. Ben is Senior Communications Specialist for Kettering Health and author of Tell Them a Story. And he shares insights on three components that contribute to writing voice level of formality, syntax, and use of metaphor. Join us. So I'm curious what your thoughts are on voice, because, again, you know, one of the things that I think medical writers, especially in education, struggle with a little bit and often mm. talk about is how much of you can be in the writing? Mm-hmm. What is voice? What does that mean? And how important is it to include or exclude, depending on the kind of audience that you're you're focusing on?
1: Yeah. So. You know, voice for a lot of young writers, they tend to think, "Well, I, I need to find my voice. I've got to find this thing that's gonna make me distinctly me, which is great, and you know, I think it's it's important to feel like you are yourself as you're writing. I think that helps you write in a relaxed way, and I think great writing happens when you're relaxed just to just to be honest, I think we're a lot more stiff and brittle uh, as we're writing than than we tend to think we are but but even then the question is where is voice appropriate right so i think in what in what context can voice be appropriate in a more in certain journalistic contexts is voice appropriate at all in a clinical medical writing context and so just a few thoughts on that one i think the journey of language especially over the last 100 years or, or so has shown us that while there are certain levels of appropriateness with how much a writer's voice needs to be present. Or I, I like to kind of think of the writer's voice as their, it's their personality on the stage of a page and writers are going to make certain decisions that are going to put them closer to the front of the stage along with the words that and the ideas are trying to communicate, or they're going to take more of a back seat and be off the stage and just try to put the limelight on, on their words. And so I think, you know, while, you know, before, World War Two, especially, and even through the idea was within journalism, you just don't have any voice at all. It's kind of what Mark Kramer calls de selfed writing, or it's organizational voice is kind of the other phrase he uses it, where maybe you're writing a leader memo or you're writing something, you know, instructions, and it's not the time to be sarcastic or to make an allusion to a movie and things like that, right? So, but even so, it's just, I think it's important to admit that there's probably no true way to have a voiceless piece of writing. That's why I like the phrase de-selfed as opposed to voiceless because if you have words on a page and those words can be connected by a reader, there's a certain voice that's going to come off the page. Now, it might be static and clinical and distant. It could be highfalutin and jargon-filled. It might be the language of the storyteller uh, with concrete words and details. But even within that, you know, there's a lot, lots of different authors have shown ways to be on the page. I think Hemingway is probably the best example of anyone can pick up Hemingway if they've read a little bit of him and know that was him on the page. No one else can really write it in, in that way. And I think, so I think just talking about voice is important because it is an important part of writing. As I've kind of said, it's, it's an unavoidable part of writing, so being cognizant of its um, unavoidability, I think, is important because it, I think writers need to ask themselves, and editorial spaces need to be aware of what is the voice they're creating with the words they're writing or editing, and is it the voice that they're anticipating or that that the reader needs? In certain cases, you don't want a writer who's gonna whose voice is going to put the writer on stage along with their words. You want the reader to, to encounter the words and the words alone. You don't want a lot of obstacles to the COVID instructions for an at-home test, right? You don't want to know that the writer of those instructions happens to appreciate T.S. Eliot and is, and is going to make a, an illusion, right? But I want to kind of comment on what voice is briefly, if that's okay.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So I think voice gets confused a lot with the idea of style. And you only have to look as far as the book, The Elements of Style, from Strunk and White, to see that there are different different ideas about style where Bill Strunk in the beginning his is much more in the granular of word choice and punctuation and E. B. White's approach to styles, much more the idea of voice and the personality coming off the page. My approach is to see style as the decisions you're making. Right, which is why we, I think we call a lot of these authoritative books. We have all of our desk style guides. Right, the, They're going to help us make certain writing decisions. And I think the result of those decisions in the aggregate become voice. So the word choices you're making, the word order you're putting them in, things like the use of white space, the concreteness of your language, or is it going to be abstract? I think it was Don Fry who unfortunately passed away, I think it was this year, who was a journalism teacher, said that voice is the sum of a writer's decisions. And I think that that's an appropriate way of thinking about about voice is thinking about what are the different elements that are going to create voice. Darren Strauss, who is an American novelist, talks about the, he refers to voice as the linguistic surface of a piece of writing. So you've got The ideas and what's being communicated, but you've got this, what he calls again, linguistic surface that sits on top of it, that sort of readers have to get through and engage with as they're engaging with your ideas. And the three things that he identifies as culminating into a a linguistics surface is the formality or the register of your word choices. So is it going to be more formal language or more informal language? He talks about the use of metaphor and whether or not you use metaphor. Roy Peter Clark calls it the density of metaphor. And then, as well, so we have metaphor, we've got sort of the formality of word choice, and then, of course, syntax. So, word choice, word order, and even the length of your sentences. Quick example a lot of typical heavy pieces of information have pretty standard sentence lengths that are roughly 18 to 30 words long, and you're not going to get much difference there. And and that creates this sort of, albeit sort of glassy-eyed experience, but this kind of rhythm, right, that is very different than the storyteller who's going to be thinking about short sentences to create drama, longer sentences to kind of create mystery or to really bring readers into a moment. And so so writers need to be aware of how are they making use of those three things, syntax, use of metaphor, the lack of it, and then the formality or the register of of their word choices. And those three things create linguistic surface or, in this case, voice.
0: I think... Medical writers, particularly those who come from a science or a lab background, need some kind of training that really focuses on, you know, how, how you develop those skills in the context mm-hmm. of medical writing. Mm-hmm. Ben Riggs, writer, storyteller, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom with listeners of Right Medicine.
1: Oh, it is my pleasure, Alex. And thank you so much for, for having me. It's good to see you again.
0: Yeah, you too. If you're like me and see yourself as a lifelong learner who loves connection with other CME professionals, come and check out what Right Medicine offers in terms of community and courses. And I'd love to hear from you what you're interested in learning more about on the podcast. And if you like the podcast or a particular episode, consider writing a review on Apple Podcasts or share with your colleagues and peers. There's a link in the show notes to help you do all of these things. See you next time.